Have you dreamed about opening a boutique since childhood? Maybe you have a store, but now you're ready to expand. Well, guess what? You're in exactly the place where you're meant to be. Welcome to the Boost Your Boutique Podcast, hosted by Emily Benson, retail boutique consultant, best-selling author, and a motivational speaker. In this podcast, you'll learn how to manage your boutique better, have balance in your life, and learn from experts who care. So whether you've been in the business for decades or you're just getting started, it's important to get help from someone who's been there and someone who's going to coach you along the way. So head over to BoostYourBoutique.com to learn more today. And now, here's Emily. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Booster Boutique Podcast. I'm Andrea Kenny, and I am part of Team Emily. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's podcast. Make sure that you subscribe, rate, and review before you leave. On this week's episode, Emily chats with one of my favorite people and a two-time podcast guest, the fabulous Tracy Litt. I had the pleasure of meeting Tracy this past September at the Rich Retailer Retreat. Do you know those people that light up a room when they walk in? That is 100% Tracy. If Brene Brown and Tony Robbins had a baby, Tracy would be that baby. She is direct. She tells it like it is, but she is also one of the most loving and supportive people I've ever met. As a certified mindset coach, best-selling author, rapid transformational therapist, and awe-inspiring speaker, Tracy is the perfect person to open up the conversation about self-judgment and how toxic it can be. Yet, it's a practice that most of us fall into every single day. It's time that we stop falling into that downward spiral of self-judgment, instead choosing a practice of self-love and grace towards ourselves. Emily talks with Tracy about how we can take steps towards less self-judgment and more self-kindness. Here is Emily's chat with Tracy. Hey, Tracy. Welcome back to the Booster Boutique podcast. I only invite my favorite people back more than once, and you are officially one of my favorite people. (laughs) Yay! I love that title. I wear it with pride, and I'm pumped to be back here. I love you and everything you stand for. Well, you know, I think having you at the Rich Retailer Retreat in September was just epic. Like, I just... I know people are still processing that. We had you on my mastermind call last week or the week before. That was insanely epic. You really sat for an hour and a half and changed three of those women's lives in epic ways and challenged their thoughts. And one of the things that came up was self-judgment and how pervasive it is. So I want to talk about that today in a major way because I think that a lot of women let's be real. We're talking to women here. We judge the crap out of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It is an epidemic. I will go so boldly as to say. I agree. Yeah. You know, I think the interesting thing about self-judgment is that we're so unaware how constant, like the stream of self-judgment is in our lives. We're so unaware of how it is just our go-to yeah. when anything goes down. Yeah. Yeah. When anything goes down, business, personal, it doesn't matter what. It just, we take everything so personally and Mm -hmm. everything is so about us and we just lean into self-judgment over like absolutely everything that goes on. And I love that we're talking about this because when you become aware of it and you shift it, 
that's when things really start to open up for you. Because when you're in it, it's actually a massive block energetically and, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, all of it. Yeah. Well, and I think our brains are way more powerful than we give them credit for because not only can they trick us (laughs) into the self-judgment, but they block us from even seeing it. And so, I mean, I was walking around my house this morning being like, oh man, I made a mess yesterday. I, I'm so terrible. I, you know, like going into this weird spiral of like, what's wrong with me for being messy, you know, and mm-hmm. all these things. And I'm like, no, 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 stop. You've had a tough weekend. Mm-hmm. Be nice to yourself. It's all going to get done. You know, everything I need to do is going to get done. I don't need to add the extra pressure of being mean to myself on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because the irony of that, and I just had this conversation twice today, (laughs) is you are so on top of it when it comes to other people disrespecting you and other people not being mean to you. Meanwhile, you are the biggest, meanest bully that is hanging out in your life and you are just like cool with it. True. Right. It's, it's, when you hear me say it like that, and I say it that way on purpose, I hope I'm triggering the part of you that goes, that's insane. Right? Like that makes zero sense. It makes no <laughs> sense that we're so up in arms about little things. And of course I'm the, you know, I do watch Housewives sometimes, or I do watch my reality shows. And you're right. We are so quick to think that what other people are doing, and it's, it's easier for me to see it on a reality show because it's, you know, there. Mm-hmm. Oh, this person's getting so offended because they didn't get a call about this person moving and yada yada. And it's like, you know, if we could just be a little more like assertive and aggressive about just not judging ourselves, let's start there. Like this mm-hmm. self-love movement is great. Mm -hmm. But if you're, if you're taking bubble baths and then looking at your stomach and telling yourself you're fat, Oh, by the way, that's not helping. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I love it. You say that too, because loving yourself and the self-love movement is so misunderstood and so overused and really recognizing and moving from self-judgment into self-kindness, because that's really like, okay, so what's the opposite? Truly, the opposite is self-kindness, self-compassion, self-gentleness. That's the direct opposite. We need to have something to swap into. I like the gentleness piece of it because being someone who's a high achiever and enjoys to work, you know, I enjoy what I do and I do push myself quite hard. I always have. Mm -hmm. Gentleness is something that I only have recently in the past year or two started to really tap into because I was going through a tough time and my acupuncturist said to me, I'm using small needles because you're very fragile right now. You're very, very delicate. Mm. And it really struck me because I have never thought of myself as delicate or fragile. <laughs> I've always thought of myself, so I'm strong. I can do any, you know, and I yeah. think that's the weird societal myth that women, we have to be strong all the time. Mm-hmm. 
But like, when do we get to just be gentle with ourselves and say, mm-hmm. you know what? like, it's a really crappy mm-hmm. day or it's a really, this is hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yes, of course. Is it? Oh my God. I think you actually hit on something really massive that we could probably talk about for weeks is the, the constructs and the paradigms on women and our need to fight for equality and push, push, push. And now we have to also have all this masculine energy too. And it's actually shifted us away from embracing the femininity and the gentleness and the ease and the, Hey, it's okay, baby. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Like you're doing an amazing job doing exactly what you're doing. You don't have to do anything more. You don't have to do anything less. I think that's pretty major actually, because we've moved into a a gender of over-resilience that I'm seeing in students and clients is so pervasive and so detrimental because it's like the stronger you are, the better you are. But in actual fact, you're blocking yourself. You're suppressing the truth of how you feel. You don't want to be seen as soft or gentle. When in actual fact, that's kind of the road to everything you want, you know? Kind of the road. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of the road. The other thing you said that I think is really important for those of you that are listening to us and you associate yourself as a perfectionist, a high achiever, super ambitious, you are swimming in self judgment Mm. because it is, if they're synonymous, right? Because perfectionism is all about not good enough, not good enough, not good enough, not good enough, right? And high achievement is all about push, 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 hustle, 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 do more, do more now, do more now faster right? And the actual research-based reason why we're not more gentle on ourselves is because we've all adopted a societal belief that if we get gentle, we'll get lazy. Oof. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which is not be lazy. I'm not lazy. Of course, but it's not true. It's just kind of one of those additional things that society thrust upon us. Because, you know, we're, we're achieving, we're going, we're aggressive, we're multitasking, we're, we're doing, doing, doing. And the more that I do, the more valuable I am as a person. Oh, yeah. Not true, but that's the guides under which many of us operate until we listen to something like this. Or we look at what that's costing us in adrenal fatigue, depletion, exhaustion, resentment, you know, not having any more fun in your life, like just not being happy. And then you go, what am I doing? Yeah. And then you start to change. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because sometimes I'll ask people, what is your hobby? Like, what do you do for fun? And they're like, what do you mean fun? I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. I do my business. It's like when we're entrepreneurs, we actually think that we have to be working all the time or we have to be focused on it. And there's no room for downtime. We can't put our phone down. We have to have all the alerts on. We have to have all the notifications up. And, you know, like that, the, one of the healthiest things I ever did was like, turn all my notifications off on my phone. Like mm-hmm. I get nothing. I people are like, do you see what's going on? I'm like, no, is the world falling down? Unless <laughs> it is, I don't care. <laughs> don't care. You know? Yeah. And I think that's part of it is, is we want to do it all. We want to feel like we're mastering all this stuff. And in actuality, we're just sort of masking the fact that we have way too much on our plates. Mm-hmm. We have way less time than we thought we did. Mm-hmm. But we also have all the time in the freaking world. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, mm-hmm. I think when we start to slow down and realize that when we go step by step and try to do one thing at a time, that's been my mantra for about six months now is I will only focus on doing one 
thing at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. It that's an amazing, that's an amazing way to honor yourself. That's an amazing way to be present. And that's actually, that's the shift that's happening now from a trying to strive for work-life balance and going and doing all this. It's no, it's much more about give your full focus, attention, and energy to wherever you are right now in this moment. And you will feel satiated and whole and what needs you will get the attention and give you back that energy. And then you can move to the next thing. It's about moving from that kind of hustle, multitask, go, 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 do, do, do way of being into a much more, I have space. I have all the time. I prioritize well. I take care of myself. I'm present in what I'm doing. And when we slow down like that, we get more than we ever would have on our best hustle days. A hundred percent. Because the, when you say it like that, I am remembering my addiction to the adrenaline of it all. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, it's exactly the same as any other addict, you know, it's like, we forget that we actually have very powerful chemicals in our system in our body that we get to rev up and slow down and Mm -hmm. be conscious of that. And I think so many of us get in this, I need more coffee. I need more time. I need more of this. When like, we actually have the ability in ourselves to generate energy and slow ourselves down Mm -hmm. in in a matter of moments, moments, whether it's diaphragmatic breathing or my sister was just telling me about progressive muscle relaxation where you, you know, tense muscles and then you mm-hmm. let go. Like these very physical actions too that can help release some mm-hmm. of that energy. How would you tell someone listening to start becoming that piece of like being more aware of the judgment coming up and the, the busyness, you know, all this stuff. How, mm-hmm. What's step one? Like I'm... I'm listening to this and I'm like, oh my God, they're speaking my language. I'm totally just swirling and twirling in my own stuff. Mm -hmm. What's my first step? I want to change. This sounds juicy and way more fun. (laughs) What do I do? Yes. Yes. The first thing we must do is shift you into a higher state of self-awareness. It is the most important thing. I, wherever you, whatever, whoever else you listen to, whoever you stumble across, If you aren't starting with awareness, you will miss the beat. You will not be able to shift. You will not be able to change because foundationally, you cannot change what you do not notice, Mm. right? So before you even get to make a new choice, right? Before I even tell you to interrupt your nervous system so that you can make a new choice, we have to go all the way back to the basics of cultivating more awareness of self. I love that. Which from a tool perspective is breathing. Breathing is really the most incredible thing we have on us and always have it on us and it's free and all you need to do is choose. Yes. Right? Which is the other thing. I love when a student will be like, well, I'm not doing my breathing. I'm like, well, it's not like you left it in your other purse. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like no excuses, people. Like literally do it on the toilet. Come yeah, on. Like, like anywhere, anytime. When you can change the rate, depth, and pattern of how you breathe, you really start to cultivate your awareness. 
So that means you can do, some people call it box breathing. I call it flagpole breathing. Breathe in for four, hold for four, exhale for four, sit at the bottom for four and do three full rounds of that. That will drop you into another atmosphere. And now you're more aware. Once you're out of your head and more into your heart and body, you can check in and go, what does my body feel like? What was I just focusing on? Wow, that's really interesting. I was really beating the shit out of myself there. Wow, that's really interesting. And then you can start self-discovery. What was my trigger? What was the circumstance? What were the words I was saying to myself? Whose voice was that? Where did I hear that before? Right? So much of our self-judgment is generational also. Right. If you watch and listen to your mother and your grandmother complain about how horrendous they looked or judge the people around them, which is really it was like a way of being for a while in that in those generations, too, then you learned it and you have to unlearn it. But we have to start with awareness. That's step one. Breathe, 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 because ultimately, here's my goal for everybody that you get to such a level of awareness that you become the observer of yourself, Mm. right? So if you can imagine having me just floating like a, like a three, like a hologram version of me floating, I'm dancing right now as I'm describing this to you guys, give you a visual, like floating next to you as you're doing your day. And I'm just going, did you mean to eat that extra cupcake? Did you notice that you just rolled your eyes when they said that to you? Hey, did you just mean to say that to yourself? I mean, that was really nasty. Like that, like having an, the observer of you, watching you and observing you so that you can start to self-coach and you can start to recognize those moments where you're like, whoa. And then here's the kicker. And this is why this is like a double self-judgment exercise. Then whatever you notice, you are not allowed to judge yourself. You're not allowed to then go into the spiral of, damn it, I was doing that thing again. Totally sucks. <laughs> You're cracking up. I can't believe I did that. I'm such an idiot. I'm never going to get this. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not close to where I want to be. It's going to take me forever. And there you are right back into the self-judgment. So being your own observer and observing from the place of, isn't that interesting? And not allowing yourself to go into self-judgment for what you just noticed about yourself. The judgment of the judgment is the yes. double suffering that yes. so many of us endure every day. And that is really, I mean, it's the idea of double suffering. I think about all the time because my husband's Buddhist, he talks about it and it's like, okay, you're going to have to go do something that is, might not be fun. So you're going to complain about it for the week, the entire week before, and then you're going to have to suffer through. Like, it's just like, you're just, we love to suffer. It's really, insane. and that's what you're talking about. It's like, let's just judge our judgment. What? No, no. Yes. <laughs> that's so screwed up. It is. It is. But that's why these kind of conversations are so helpful for us and for everybody who's listening. Because... Like we can laugh at it and be like, you guys, come on. Yeah. Like, come on. You wouldn't treat anyone else the way you treat yourself. Why yep. is it okay? Why, yep. why is it okay for you to basically be against yourself? Yeah. 
Right. Because that's what self-judgment is, too. You want to talk about making more money in your business, being a better leader, being a better manager, having more connection with people, et cetera, et cetera. When you are in self-judgment, you are against yourself. You are basically prohibiting all of that stuff I just mentioned from coming to you easily, from being possible. Totally. And I feel like there's this pattern where it, it, the generational piece of it to me is very important and sort of something we don't talk about because part of it is, okay, it isn't terrible to look back at the place that we were raised and say, you know what, they were doing the best they could, but that didn't rub off on me in a way that was serve, that serves me now. Mm-hmm. And noticing where we start to create the patterns that we were used to as a child. Mm-hmm. You don't ever think about that until conversations. I love these conversations like this because it's just, oh, well, that's the way it was always done. That's mm-hmm. what my mother did. That's what my father did. That's how they reacted to things. So of course I'm going to, I love the term, I'm becoming my mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, guess what? Yeah. 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 Well, also the way that they evolved is different than us. Different triumphs, different challenges, different era, different circumstances. You know, life in the Great Depression is not life in 2020. <laughs> like, at all. At all. At all. Right? So your great-grandmother adapted her behaviors, her responses. I mean, she, she could barely even vote. Right. Depending on what specific year we're talking about. You know, women weren't allowed to stand up for themselves. All of us on here as entrepreneurs, are you kidding me? That's like, wasn't even a thing. So we can't just pick up the habits and behaviors. It's not like they did it all right. They're just people trying to work it out also. Yeah. Well, and as a mom, wouldn't you say, you know, you're trying to do it all right, but I'm sure like your kid's doing okay, but there's going to be things that they, that don't work for them in 20 or 15 years, you know? Oh my God. Yes. It's like, we're not doing it perfect either. Oh, by the way. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And really the perfect, like, there's no such thing. I wish that word would be eradicated from the English language. Perfect. Yes. I just, we need to be imperfect because that's what we are. We are beautifully fallible, flawed. And if your mind just went to judging the word flaw or fallible, check in on that, right? Because flaw doesn't mean bad. Mm -mm. Flaw means human, right? The fallibility, who we are, like it's the beautiful and perfect messes that we are that makes us human and connected, right? Like why not create a movement where we all make choices that are akin to that construct so that we can empower each other and create the softness and the vulnerability and stop trying to like get it right. Well, and, and why do we, let's look for what we're doing that is right and is moving us in the right direction rather than focusing. Cause I think, yeah, we are imperfect people, but I also worry that a lot of people focus too much on their flaws or what they're not doing right. And then that brings up another reason to judge ourselves, another reason to find flaw in our, in, in our work. You know, I see so mm. many people 
you know, I'm in some Facebook groups that, you know, I just kind of creep in and I'll comment here and there. They're not my own, but I just like to keep pulse on what's going on. And, you know, man, there's like people who will post at 10 a.m. Like, oh, is your business slow today? Mine's so slow. Oh. And then it just starts this crazy train of people talking about how their business is slow. And I'm like, mm. Mm. oh my gosh. Yeah. So two things. Misery loves company. Ugh. Like no, everyone loves a good commiseration. Like, hey, come on, justify my misery with me. Come on, come on. We'll feel crappy together because that'll Ugh. make it easier. Yeah, yeah. So that's an absolute no. And if you find yourself in a lot of circles that are complaining and gossiping and bitching, you want to get out of that immediately because that is, that's bringing your frequency down. You don't even have to speak and you're blocking yourself just by who you're choosing to spend your time with. The thing you said earlier that was really interesting to me that I know is direct, directly connected. You were saying being able to find the good like in yourself, right? And how far you've come. Yeah. If you're someone who has a habit of self-judgment, you will not be able to see the good. I right? hear that. I hear that. Yeah. Right? Like, so for me, when I think about this, because I just, I, judgment work was one of the first things I started working on when I started my whole growth journey, becoming coach in back school, all that. And I remember you guys want to do this too. This was kind of like, made me want to throw up, but I did it. Keep a judgment journal. Whoa. Okay. So that was my first task. So I literally had a little like notebook and a pen and I was just looking for my judgments, aware, and I was sort of writing down judgments on myself, judgments on other people. And I was supposed to keep it for a week. And I kept it for two days because I was so vomitous over, I could, because here's the other thing. And if you're someone who's done the work, you're spiritual, your law of attraction, you're going to walk around being like, I'm loving light, baby. Like, I got this. Because that's what I thought. I was like, oh my God, please, me? Like, me? Come on. I'm like, just yeah. loving. I... It was offensive to myself how much I judged myself and the people around me. So after two days, I had had enough. And that was enough of like a smack in my own face for me to go, this is something you're going to, you're going to knock this out. And I really did. And my point in saying that is as a result, I really do always naturally find the good. I really do go, oh my God, girl, look at all, look at everything you've done. Like, you, whoa, this is amazing because I've worked on the self-judgment piece because then finding the good and praising yourself and being your own bestie and being your own cheerleader are a natural byproduct of doing work around your self-judgment. Yeah. I definitely have always been someone who looks for the good and who's my sister and I were talking this weekend about how surprised we are now as adults that Mm -hmm. we actually grew up in a pretty positively focused home. Like our parents were very, my mom was very focused on what went well today. Let's talk about it. You know, three good Mm -hmm. things at the dinner table and not everyone grew up like that. It's like weirdly, you know, it's like, I remember going to college and be like, people get divorced. I don't know anyone that's divorced. That's (laughs) You know, I came from one of those weird towns where no one, if they were, they didn't talk about it. So it's interesting because I do think that there is a difference, and I've talked about this before, between like positivity, it's easy to be positive, but it feels more real when you're coming at it from a place of where you've done that mindset work behind it. And Mm -hmm. you actually wiped away some of the dirt that's kind of masking the mirror and like not allowing you to really see what it 
you know, it's, it's good to be optimistic and positive, but it's also, it's way more powerful when it's coming from a genuine place where there isn't judgment or this behind it too. Yes, yes, yes. And it's actually really unhealthy to just be positive. Right. It's really unhealthy to do positivity bypass, right? Which is like, I'm just going to smack a rainbow on this and I'm going to choose a positive thought. I'm just going to move on. Yeah. Because that creates a a ton of suppression and uh, like a volcanic kind of eruption in your system because you're not actually honoring what was coming up or what needed to be processed, heal it, take action on it, approach it differently, or simply decide this really isn't a thing. It's a story that's in between my ears and I'm going to let it go. And then you shift into a more empowering way of thinking. Yeah. It's really important. Yeah, it's really important. And I think like for me, I feel like there was a while when I had my boutique and it wasn't necessarily doing well or whatever that, you know, judgment I was having was well or not, right? Little did I know now in hindsight, it was me being like shoved to a new place, right? But there were days I spent so much time judging myself, my business, what I was doing wrong, what I was... Like, I just feel like now... And listen, again, not perfect. Definitely have my spiral moments. But I saved so much freaking time not... (laughs) being so judgmental of myself and other people. Yes. (laughs) Oh my God. Like now I get to have conversations with my friends that are just about their lives and how things are going. Not like, Oh, did you see what that person did? Oh, you know? And it's like, that is not healthy for any of us. No, it's not healthy at all. And there's two huge components here that you just brought to light. All judgment is self-judgment. All judgment. All judgment is self-judgment. It all originates with you and self-judgment. And when you release the habit of judgment, you actually don't feel judged. If you are someone who is always like, oh my God, they're going to judge me. I'm so afraid of what they're going to say. I'm afraid they're going to judge me. That is telling you, you have a ton of self-judgment work to do. Because when you're someone who has done the work on self-judgment, like I don't have any response in my body or concern about anyone judging me ever. I don't even think about it. It doesn't even cross my mind. 10 years ago, it would paralyze me. Right. But now it's like, Oh, cause I don't even live in the paradigm of judgment. I'm like, this is not even a thing. You've transcended judgment as Greg would say. Right. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Greg. Yes. Yeah. It's you not know? a thing. Yeah. Right. Right. Because think about how many things, especially as an entrepreneur, you know, or even in your relationships that you avoid or don't do because of judgment in and of itself. Mm. It's a laundry list. It's crazy to think about. I mean, once people are aware, then what do we start doing? Like, so I'm breathing. I'm trying to go back because I feel like I did this work like a while ago. And of course, Mm -hmm. it's always ongoing because... Mm My mindset work is always ongoing, Mm -hmm. but we're becoming aware. We're breathing. We're like, OMG, I'm a jerk to myself. Mm -hmm. What do I do next? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's actually like a few different components because there's a, there's like a, an underbelly healing element. Okay. And then there is like the new choice piece which is, you know, choosing to be gentle or kind, right? Yep. So you gain this awareness and you understand, and while you're gaining awareness, you're really doing some self-discovery. Like, where is this, what is this judgment about? Where did it originate? 
whose voice is it every time I hear this? It could be like you had a really, really intense mom who didn't realize that every time she did something, she thought it was for your best interest, but it was just creating a self-judgment monster, right? So recognizing what your self-judgment is and where it comes from, and then being able to do some work with it. It's going to take some self-forgiveness work. It's going to take digging in a little bit to your self-image and your self-concept. And what are the labels and limitations that you put on yourself, right? We're going to take a look at what I call, and it's in the Worthy Human book, your shitty committee versus your fan club, right? What's in your shitty committee? What's that stuff that it keeps saying over and over and over and over again? And then what can you build up in your fan club so that that's the team that's louder and more pervasive, right? And, and you kind of create all of these different things while you've healed through and let go. And, you know, you might have a memory or something that happened to you that is a major reason why you're judging yourself. There's always trauma work. There's always wound work to do. And I, I want to say this for the record. It doesn't have to be deep sexual trauma. It doesn't have to be really tragic abandonment. Okay? We all, if you are breathing, you have wounds. Yeah. That, that's just, that's it. And there's a spectrum and they're all over it and it's fine. And honor that, honor that. Know that it's okay to, again, go softer with yourself and go, hey, what do you need? How do you feel? Check in with, you know, like, like you would if your best friend came to you and she dropped to her knees. You would be like, oh my God, your, your tone would soften. Yeah. You would lean in with your body language. You would say, what do you need right now? How can I be there for you right now, right? This is what it means to cultivate a level of compassion with yourself. And sometimes you have to pretend you're doing it for someone else first because it's so foreign to do it for yourself. Yeah. But, you know, so it's harder for me to say, well, this is step two, but it's like a whole bunch of different things on the journey of, of self-discovery and healing that really get you there. And I love that you took the judgment off of the trauma of how bad was my trauma. Yeah, right. right. Because that's another thing. Like I see a lot of people come out of either they've started a business before they've tried to start a business. We have a lot of people, honestly, that it's very common where I even see they start a business, then they have a baby and it just takes them a while to get back, you know, and they come to me because they're like, all right, I'm ready. Or they were in a direct selling company didn't work out. Some stuff happened. Now they're starting their boutique. And oh, by the way, the crap that happened in the direct selling company, guess what? Coming back up, that's trauma too. You yes. Know, it's not because you had a baby and you're a little bit maybe resentful that you, you know, you want the baby, but she stopped your business and like, <laughs> you know, like, yes. I don't know how to feel because my hormones are all over the place. Like, <laughs> That is all a form of trauma, even though the word trauma feels very dramatic and heavy. Mm -hmm. These things do affect how you move forward. Your past does affect how you move forward unless you heal it. And unless mm -hmm. you're able to move forward in a way that you say, okay, I'm dealing with those feelings and I'm going to, mm -hmm. and then I'm going to move on. Mm -hmm. but I see so many people come to me with all this baggage. And my sister said to me this weekend, she goes, I don't work with adults. She's a psychologist. She goes, mm -hmm. I don't want to work with adults. They have way too much baggage. I'm good with the kids. Yeah. She's spot on. She's spot on yeah. because we also like, we don't want to acknowledge it or we judge, 
healing work, or we think it's going to take forever, or we think it means something about our strength and resiliency if we need help. So what we're ultimately doing is carrying the baggage around in a backpack that's invisible on us at all times. And then you wonder why you are where you are. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The only way to put the backpack down is to like literally put it down, unzip it, pull thing, one thing out at a time. Oh, look at that. Oh, there's that thing that happened when I was six. Okay. Let's knock that out. Right. And little by little really doing it. And I think that's the other thing about healing too is it doesn't have to take 20 years. No. There are certain wounds, like let's say you were in dance class and you were 12 years old and your mom was running late and you were the last kid to be picked up and the parking lot was dark and it was 8 p.m. and you were scared. She pulled up and she was so sorry. That's a wound, right? That kind of wound with awareness with taking a look at it as the adult you are now, with understanding she had no negative intention, right? With realizing what that taught you in that moment, right? About maybe someone's safety or whatever. We can move through that in like an hour. Yeah. And you can start to make shifts and changes around it, right? Because of course, the deeper, the longer it does, you know, takes to, to heal it through. The awareness itself is curative sometimes too, even when, when it comes to judgment itself. Awareness is such a magnificent tool in and of itself, because if some, if you're unaware of something, it means like it's like behind you, underneath your chair, right? You would never know it's there. But as soon as you pull it out from behind the chair and you bring it up and now it's at eye level, you'll never unsee it. Mm, yeah. And in that moment, the awareness of it becomes curative because now you can make a new choice with it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. And you're so, Okay. You are going to be doing some of this work at an event that you're hosting in January. Yes. Oh yeah. So like people are in this, they're like, whoa, I'm loving where we're going. Like I'm loving, like, this is not necessarily always the work that I myself do, which is why I bring people like you to my events and on my podcast, because you come at it from a different angle that I do. We have similar like ideas and, but we have maybe different approaches mm-hmm. and that's so, so your event in January is called Worthy Human Life. Yes, it is. It's in Palm Beach, Florida. Yes, it is. And what are people going to experience when they come to this event? <sighs> oh, they are going to experience... <laughs> Wow. Okay. So this is so exciting. I just have to share. This is one of my dreams, right? We all start things out. We're entrepreneurs. We make something out of nothing. Having this three-day immersion event, it was part of my original plan, right? Right. So the seeing this come to life and birthing it and pulling it together just feels so phenomenal. And I'm so grateful to be able to do this. This is the inaugural year of Worthy Human Live, which means it's going to be here every year so that you have a place to mark your own growth. So you can witness yourself as you expand and you continue to up-level and heal and do the work. And Worthy Human Live is intimate. It is you and I together in the room, like doing the work. It's not like 10 of my coaches, it's me doing the work with you. Day one is all about healing, finding the wounds, what's blocking you from believing in yourself, doing a lot. We're going to do some screaming meditation that I'm kind of obsessed with. We're going to be doing a lot of emotional release. What did that inner child need? Let's go give it to her. We're going to go there and you are going to experience the kind of release 
that you know you're ready for, but you have no idea how to give it to yourself. And I hear this a lot from people like, where do I start? I'm afraid I'm going to cry forever. You're not, I promise. But we have to let it out, right? So it's really going to be like a big cleansing. And day two is all about mindset, patterns. What strategies and behaviors did you come up with in your life to compensate for things that went down in your life, right? The perfectionism, the procrastination, the pressure, the chaos, the stress, the overwhelm the insecurity. And we're going to move through a ton of mindset work, like real tools, techniques, actionable stuff that you can take with you. And then as we move into day three, we're doing future self-work. So there's a lot of myths around creation and manifestation. And we are going to really, really teach you and move into, here's the vision. This is the woman. Who is that woman? What does she do? How does she feel? How does she walk? How does she talk? And then how do you make decisions from the place that you're going instead of the current reality that you're living in. Because if we make decisions from the tangible reality that we're in right now, then it takes eons to progress to where we want to be. If we learn how to be bold and not risk averse and believe it before we see it and act as if we are that woman already, now we're like really catapulting and we're accessing the power of the universe around us. So day three is all about expansion, future self, becoming the woman, all of that. And on night two, we're having an epic pajama party. I love that. I'm stoked about it. Barefoot, braless, whatever feels good to you. It's going to be super awesome. And you know, retreats are huge. You know, you had one. It's amazing. The women that were in that room can attest to it. I'm getting on a plane tonight to go be an attendee to do the work on myself. There is nothing that replaces human connection. There is nothing that replaces in-person, hugging, crying, talking, working it out, retreating out of your everyday life, the monotony of every single day, and giving yourself perspective and meeting other people who are rising and giving yourself the space and the quiet uninterrupted That's also, to me, why I love going to immersions. It's like, no one's looking for me. I'm not checking my email. I can dig in and I can find more of my shit. I can find more of my blocks. And my biggest kind of clicks and and growths to my own expansion happen when I go into a live event because I come out and I'm next version of myself. So that's what we're going to be doing. And a lot of dancing. Wow. Wow. So, okay. How do my people sign up for this? We'll put it in the show notes, but is the website. Yeah. If you go straight to my website, it's on the front page of my website, go to the lit factor with two T's and you'll see it there. Click. I want in, you'll see all the information, the details, it's all there for you. And the tickets are all inclusive, which means you get two nights at the O Palm beach, which is is a gorgeous Jonathan Adler designed, beautiful, yeah. Five-star hotel. Yeah. This is not like a mega conference at a Hilton. Okay. Yeah. This is a luxury <laughs> environment on the beach in January in Florida. You know what I'm saying? So, okay. so uh, it's just going to be amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. So go to the website and come and join us. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm excited that your event oh, retreats are the best. And when they're led by people like you, they will change your life. Even if you don't know what to expect, you just drop yourself in that room and listen and participate. Things will change. Guaranteed. Thank you. I appreciate that. It really is like, that's why I go to them. 
as an attendee. They're, yeah. they're everything. And especially too, in a world where we feel so disconnected, even though we're overly connected, we're not really connected no. um, at all. It's like laughable. You want that kind of weekend where you nourish your soul. Yeah. You want the kind of weekend where it's like a vacation, but you're doing some work. Like, you know, you need it. You're listening to us talk right now. Your soul is like, oh, please just say yes. You yep. know, and yep. then we sit back and we think it over and we come up with the excuses why we can't and then we don't. And that's the kind of shit that drives me nuts. So I put it very clearly on the page you're going to look at. I'm going to say it to you now. Your mind is going to try to stop you. Your mind is going to tell you you're too busy. Your kid's schedule is too crazy. You don't have time. You don't have money. It's crap. That mind is the problem. We need to go in and do the work, be the abundant human that you are, and realize that nothing's going to give you a bigger ROI than doing the work of you. We just have to leave it there because that's the most brilliant thing I've ever heard. Thank you. The biggest ROI you'll ever get in your life is doing the work on you. Mm -hmm. So good. Thanks for coming back. I love being back. I mean, any, any, anything I can do with you, I'm just like an instant. You don't even have to tell me what you're doing. As soon as you're just like, can we? I'm like, yep, just tell me what we're doing. Tell me where to be. Like that. I love it. <laughs> tell me where to be. Oh, thank you so much for being on the show again. Thank um, you. I love you. So greatly from your, your wisdom and your perspective. And, and I do too. You know, every time I talk to you, I'm just like, sometimes I put my head in the place, like what would Tracy tell me right now based on how I'm acting or how I'm thinking, you know? And like, I just know you'd give me a little like WTF Emily. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. You know, I have been called the most loving smack in the face you'll ever receive. I'll take it. I like that. I like that. Awesome. Thank you so much for letting me be here and hanging out with your people again. You're awesome. Did you love this episode as much as I did? Head over to iTunes and rate and review the Boost Your Boutique podcast so more amazing and creative boutique owners like you can find out about it. And don't forget, head over to boostyourboutique.com to learn more.